Welcome to the Wheatful Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Goff, and I'm so excited you're here. I'm an online product shop owner over at Wheat & Honey Co., a business strategist leading women-owned, profitable, and purposeful businesses, and your host here at the Wheatful Woman Podcast. Join us as we have fun and soulful conversation with a bunch of girlfriends pursuing a life full of intention and purpose. We are here to give you space and tools for your holistic wellness journey and hope you leave each episode feeling a bit more full than when you came. All right, Wheatful Women, let's dive in. Hey, Wheatful Women, today's episode features my friend Tiffany Stein. Tiffany is the women's pastor at Irving Bible Church, a dream job for her since she is passionate about encouraging women to intimately know God and embrace their unique identity in Christ. She's a native Texan and a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary and Oklahoma Baptist University. Tiffany is the author of our Wheat and Honey Co. Lent and Advent studies that are in the shop. She enjoys writing, hiking, and reading with a hot cup of tea in hand. Tiffany is married to Jason, the next-gen pastor at Irving Bible Church. They have a beloved son who is with Jesus and a precious baby girl, Emma Ruth, that just arrived. They reside in Flower Mound, Texas with their energetic lab, Ginger, and their cockapoo puppy, Teddy. Here's my conversation with my friend, Tiffany. Hey, Tiffany. Welcome to the Wheatful Woman podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to get to see you and catch up. I know. I know it is. I'm excited for our community to get to know you a little bit more. Most of our community is already very familiar with you as the author of our Lent and Advent Bible studies. But Tiffany, I just want to take a moment to share with our community what you mean to me as a friend and a leader and a mentor. And we were introduced through our husbands. And I remember thinking, I did not have the expectation that I would get to be your friend like I have been. And it's been really neat for me to see someone that I view as a leader and mentor just come alongside me and say, hey, let's grab lunch. I'm your friend. I'm here for you. And also somebody that I look to within the context of Wheat and Honey that writes content and material that I knew the Lord wanted us to do and to provide for women but I knew it was something that was out of my scope. I knew I wanted to lean on a woman that had a seminary background and had been writing and could lead me in that. And it's been such an honor to get to know you. And I'm very expectant and hopeful, no pun intended with our title of the Advent study expectant hope. But I I didn't even think about that until it came out of my mouth. But I am I'm really excited about your heart being shared with our community today. So thank you for being here with me. Thank you, Brittany. I can't, I can't imagine a more special introduction. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Of course. Of course. Can we start today hearing about how the Lord has used you and your love for an awareness of Him to encourage women to intimately know Him and embrace their unique, unique identity in Christ? Yes. Um, so it's, I feel like it's a bit unusual. I feel like people are either in two camps, like career vocationally. It's like either, you know, from like the moment you're five, like I want to be a pilot and that is all I want to do. Or like you go to school and you're like, I'm not quite sure. And then like maybe in your thirties, you find your niche, but for whatever reason, the Lord 
it's been gracious. And I knew from a very young age, like I had a sensitivity to women's roles, if that makes sense. I remember being in third grade and I cried because I realized I was told there had never been a female president. And that's such a strange memory, but I just remember thinking like, it should not be this way. Mm -hmm. And um, so from a young age, like God had been stirring in my heart, a desire to see women equipped and encouraged and empowered to know him and use out, use their gifts. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting because I never expected it to be a title or a role or something I got paid for. It was just like whatever space and place I was in. God would open doors for me to get to serve women. And of course, I'm, I'm sure you feel this and our community feels this. When when you're giving, I mean, you get like a hundredfold back. Mm. It is such a blessing. And so I just found myself wherever I was, God was opening doors. And so, for example, I remember being maybe 14 or 15. I went to a really small church of 60 people. And I looked around and I was like, there are four and five-year-olds here that aren't being taught. Like, I'm going to start the children's ministry. And then a few years later, I was like, there's three preteen girls. We need a preteen girls ministry. And so it's like, as I aged, the population I served aged. Um, I got to be a camp counselor for preteens and teen girls for five summers. Mm -hmm. I got to lead the women's ministry on campus um, in college, just all these various things. And it was really an awakening to me of God kind of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, okay, Tiffany, you're in this place and space for a reason. Who around you needs to know the hope of me and to just be encouraged and empowered to be set free. And so I can honestly say like, since I was 15, I have known without a shadow of a doubt that I wanted to go into vocational ministry and, and that has never wavered. And like, I still pinch myself. I can't believe it's real that I actually get paid to love on women and walk with them. And it is such a privilege and delight to be invited into people's stories. And um, I'm sure you feel this way, Brittany, as an event host and a podcast host and, and an entrepreneur. When people share pieces of their story or their life, it feels like you've been given like a treasure. Mm-hmm. And I just want to hold that sacred and just really affirm and encourage them to keep growing. So yeah, yeah it's it's been a journey for sure. That's so beautiful. I didn't know all that. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about your pup, Teddy? Oh, <laughs> to, Teddy so has to be a part. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you and I both share, and um, we have big dogs. Yeah. And we also have a little dog. So um, my husband and I went to um, Dallas Seminary, and we couldn't have pets for the first five years. So the minute we graduated, I was like, Jason, it's time to get our pet. Let's go. Well, I wanted a little cuddle lap dog. He wanted a lab. So he jokes that we compromised and we got a small lab, Mm -hmm. which is not really, um, she's like 55 pounds in an apartment. Well, a year ago, it was my turn. And I was like, I'm getting the cockapoo I've waited 11 years for. So he is this cute little apricot furball. And really, honestly, Brittany, like he's terrified of everything. He's very scared. He's a little neurotic. But he fulfills the desire of my heart, which was to have a cuddle lap dog. So he's perfect for what we needed him for. So he's he's my little buddy. And he's named Teddy because he's super furry. So he looks like a teddy bear. Oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. Yeah. I love seeing those teddy pictures. So I'm going to ask you to tell everybody about him. Yes. So something else that 
I can't believe I've waited this long to talk about with you is your new little girl, Emma Ruth. Tiffany just welcomed a, her and her husband, Jason, just welcomed their daughter to the world 10 days ago. Mm -hmm. And when I had prepared to chat with you, we didn't anticipate that she would be here for this conversation. So instead of asking you about expecting her arrival, I get to ask you about her actually being here and the joy of that. Um, I would say probably my greatest joy right now is simply holding her, Brittany. We have been probably on about a five-year journey of trying to bring a child home. And I know we'll talk more about that later, but to have um, a little Stein baby in our Mm -hmm. arms and to get to hold her, and there is this no peace, no contentment, no joy, like looking at her and knowing that God has so graciously given her to it. She's a little miracle. Mm. Um, we were told we had a less than a 1% chance of ever conceiving naturally. So her conception was a miracle. Um, we had complications in the delivery and I ended up having a crash C-section and um, she almost died. And so like her delivery is a miracle. And so every time I just look at her, I just think God is so good. And I just kiss her little cheeks and I watch her sleep. And of course, we're all very tired, but we are in awe of little Emma Ruth and the God that gave her to us. Yeah. I told Tiffany moments before we hit record that it's such an honor and privilege to get to see her 10 days after and have a conversation today. I thought I was going to be waiting several more weeks before I had an opportunity just to see her face and hear about everything. But we're very, very excited for you all. And the pictures of you and your family and that sweet little girl are just, there are no words for the joy and the peace. You see it on your faces and we're really, really excited. Something that is so special to our friendship, Tiffany, is the way the Lord has blessed this community of women with your Lent and Advent study authorship while you've been walking intimately with the Lord through seasons of wilderness and expectant hope. And I've been telling women in my world about what's coming with this Advent study this season, and I get emotional every time because God is so good and so faithful in how he has been able to come near to you and then give you strength to walk in this role through that so that other women can know him more too. Can you speak to the past three years of your life and the journey of walking with God through the wilderness and seeing God bring you and Jason into this season of expectant hope? Yeah, I would love to. Um, I love that you remember that we were introduced to our husbands because <laughs> I kind of mark time like by my babies. And I remember, and I hope I'm not wrong on this, but I think our first meeting was at Fireside Pie. It was. It was. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> and I remember that because I was expecting our first child. And I think I think y'all were engaged at the time. Yeah. Um, and it's so like, we, so like Jason and I were as in a season of anticipation. Y'all were looking forward to getting married. We found out we went to the same high school. Like just all these Crazy. things. I'm like, this is an amazing couple. We need to be <laughs> friends with them, Jason. Um, and so it was just this beautiful season of anticipation. And yeah. I loved that we got to share that together. So I'm trying to think. So 
in early 2017, I was made pastor. And then that summer, um, I was expecting. And so it was a season of really new beginnings. And I was looking mm-hmm. forward to what God had in store for us. However, and when David, our little boy, our firstborn, was 32 weeks old, um, as you know, he was diagnosed with um, a heart abnormality. And at first we were told he would just need a surgery. And so he was born. He, he, he stayed in the NICU. We were told, okay, then he doesn't need a heart surgery. He needs a heart transplant. And we're like, okay, we are going to cover him in prayer. Our community is supporting us. We're going to get to the heart transplant. And then we were told he needed a double heart and lung transplant. Um, and shortly after that, he passed away. And so this is early. He was born February of 2018, passed away April of 2018. And so our son spent the, his seven and a half week life in the NICU. And I, I just honestly was not prepared for this, Brittany. I mean, as a pastor, I have walked with people through untold suffering and hardship and brokenness. But this felt very different and it felt very personal. Probably the best way to describe it is that it felt like a double grief because I wasn't just grieving the loss of my son, but I was mourning the God that I thought I knew. Um, somehow, I don't know, in hindsight, I can I can say that I had made God in my image, but it just, it wasn't compatible with me that a good and loving God would have allowed David to die. And so I really came to a crossroads of faith. It wasn't an intellectual doubt because I knew, you know, all the truths about God and I have undergraduate and graduate degrees. Like I knew all the right answers, but experientially and emotionally, I felt like God had abandoned me, quite honestly. Um, I couldn't hear him. I couldn't feel his presence. I was doing all the things you're supposed to do. I had a spiritual director. I was praying. I was reading God's word. I was worshiping. I mean, I'm leading a women's ministry and I feel just really honestly dead inside. And I got to a crossroads where I thought, okay, either... God is so much bigger than I know and understand and so good and so loving that somehow David's death can be contained in his love or he is unloving, unfaithful, unjust, and he's not worth following. And so I spent a little over a year in in what I call the wilderness season where there doesn't appear to be a lot of fruit. There doesn't appear to be a lot of direction. God can feel absent, but he very graciously did give me this verse and this word for 2019. And it was the word expectant. And of course I was like, expectant. I want that to mean expecting a baby. (laughs) I want to mother someone. But I I think I knew that that's not what it meant because it came with this verse. And Psalm 27, 13 through 14 said, um, it's David. And he says, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. And I would just like hundreds of times pray that daily because I knew it wasn't a promise that I would hold another child. It wasn't a promise that my grief would be healed or that everything would be okay because it's not okay. A family member is missing, but it was a promise I could take to the bank because it's an assurance that God 
is good and that he will not just show us his goodness the other side of heaven, but today. And I needed to see God's goodness today. And so every day I would just cry and say, cry out and say, Lord, show me your goodness. Show me who you truly are because the God I thought I knew is small and brittle and, and he's, he was made in my image and he behaved the way I thought love should behave. And you are so much bigger than that. So teach me who you are on your own terms. Mm-hmm. And I think the greatest surprise of that season of expectancy was that at the end of 2019, I actually felt a sense of contentment. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, Brittany, I didn't, I didn't think I could ever be content without David mm-hmm. and without another child because we went through 18 months of um, infertility. And yet I did feel content. And I'm like, okay. I guess this is what expectancy leads to. It leads to contentment and, and joy, not in the gifts God gives us, but in who he is. And so um, I was resting in that and we were pursuing different fertility options. And um, the day before I was supposed to get my first fertility treatment, we found out unexpectedly that we were pregnant. And this was just like, miracle of miracles because this was not supposed to happen so in january i find out we're pregnant in february we're searching for a new house in april we move in and then we're remodeling and it's so it was so strange Brittany. you'd think like i would be overjoyed but it felt like for two years like that life was on pause Mm -hmm. and and like we're just trying to survive and and you're just trying to get through the day and then suddenly it's like someone pressed not play but like fast forward and you're like (laughs) it's like all this stuff is happening and I'm like well wait wait god I'm not ready like like I'm used to sitting and crying out and suddenly you are bringing like spring into our life. You're bringing new things and flourishing and blossoming. And I don't know what to think. I'm used to lamenting. I don't know how to like, mm-hmm. not praise you, but like be, I, I had to learn a new way of being with the Lord in, in this new season of flourishing. But what was interesting was I thought spring Cause like you think about, and I mean, it coincided with the literal season. So like mm-hmm. all this is happening, like March, April, you know, we think of spring as like blossoms and fruit mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And so I thought that meant like all the hardship is done and we just enjoy the goodness. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, there was still a lot and there is still a lot to work through. And my spiritual director reminded me, she said, Tiffany, the fruit doesn't come in the spring. It's plant. The seeds are planted in the spring. The fruit actually comes in the fall. And she's like, you are doing the hard work in the spring and summer of like tilling the soil and watering those seeds. And God is preparing you for what he has in store. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not at all surprised that our baby was born in September because Mm -hmm. that's that's the fall. That's the harvest. Our home remodeling was finished just a month ago. And mm-hmm. so I would say we're very much in a season now of flourishing, of new mm-hmm. life, of new beginnings. And of course, that doesn't mean like everything is perfect and great and there are no hardships. I mean, every time I look at Emma Ruth, it's this strange combination of bitter. Mm-hmm sweetness of I love her so much and she is a miracle but I also wish her brother was here but it's really sweet to be in a place where I am hearing from the Lord very clearly very distinctly where I am seeing his hand Mm -hmm. and of course he's been with us all along he has never removed his presence it's just in different seasons God invites us to learn different things about him 
Mm-hmm. And so we are relishing being in the fall and just in the God who gives us so many good things. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really neat to get to witness the strength that God gives you to get to witness the rejoicing and the peace and the fullness. And it's also so empowering to watch someone that you admire and respect so much for their faith show up and say, I have questions. I have questions. And I think it's important that women know that's okay. It's okay to have questions and our faith is supposed to be our own. And God wants to uniquely come in and say, Tiffany, you are mine. Mm -hmm. This is my space with you that nobody else will ever understand. It's not theirs to have, it's yours. And I want to uniquely walk alongside you and love you, unlike I'm loving anyone else. And he loves us all with the same full, abundant, never changing love. But all of our stories are different. All of our experiences are different. All of our hurts and frustrations and sorrow, it's different. And it has blessed me so much to watch you walk in that way and allow other women into it. To know this is, like, I will share when I want to share and when it's a good place for me to share. And when I don't, I'm not going to. But I'm not going to hold back from letting other people know it's okay to feel it's okay to walk with God in that wrestling. So I, I want to thank you for sharing that with us today. And if there's a mom out there that's listening to you and she's finding so much peace and hope in your words and just your presence here with me today, if through your experiences, and I think there's something about our tone. There's something about when women come on here and you're listening and you can't see their face, but you hear and feel their heart. If there's a mom listening that's resonating with that, what would you say to her if she's someone that may be walking through this grief of child loss? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I'd just say is I am so deeply sorry. No one should have to walk this road. Jason and I have jokingly referred to it as like the fellowship of sufferers. Like it's this club that no one wants to be part of. The admission cost is way too high. But when when you've walked through um, miscarriage or stillbirth or infant loss, you find yourself in a small group of people who, as you said, bear a unique pain and grief. And it's a club no one wants to be a part of, but I have learned some of the blessings and the benefits of this community that you can't walk this road alone. You know, uh, the Christian life is meant for both the joys and the sorrows to be shared and that we need people um, in any sort of grief or loss, be a job loss, loss of a relationship, loss of a spouse, loss of a hope or dream or a loss of health. Like we need people to surround us, to carry us, to walk with us, to pray for us, to remind us of who God is and who we are in Him. Mm-hmm. And what I have found unique about being with other mothers that understand this grief is that they're really good at sitting in the pain and the sorrow with you and lamenting. I think as Christians, sometimes we feel like it's not godly to lament, Mm -hmm. like that it's not appropriate to cry out to God. And I so appreciate Mm -hmm. what you said, Brittany, of that God is big enough to handle all of our questions, all of our sorrows, all of our doubts. 
um, one of my mentors has told me repeatedly, the only difference between lament and complaining is both are crying out. It's just the lament is crying out towards God. And so you're still you know, focused on him, your eyes are still towards him, you're, you're crying out. Um, complaining is crying out, but it's not directed towards God. It's directed toward anyone else around you. So mm-hmm. one is looking towards Christ, one is not. And I found a lot of solidarity with people who could just sit in my pain and not rush me to, mm-hmm. but you know, Christ is coming again, but you know, there'll be a resurrection, but you know, you'll see David again. And I'm like, I do but it sucks right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I'm going to get out of bed tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I would say there is invaluable just wisdom in the body of Christ and in Christian community. And then the other thing that I've just shared with moms who are going through loss is keep in mind that no one else knows exactly what you're going through, which again, Brittany, it's like, you're reading my mind, you're reading my notes. Mm-hmm. We somehow think that like our spouses or our best friends or our husbands or our moms should like know exactly what we've lived through, the exact right words to say and how to say it. Mm-hmm. And there is no one that has lived your exact experience. I mean, Jason was present for everything I was, and yet he handles it very differently. And I felt very alone in the grief for a long time until God whispered to me, Tiffany, you're not alone. I experienced it all with you. I have borne witness to your pain, to your suffering, to the delivery of your child, to the last breath of your child. And just as I will never abandon you or forsake you, I have never abandoned or forsaken David. And that brings me a lot of peace because when you feel like you're the only one bearing that sorrow and it can feel crushing, but to know that there is someone else, the God of the universe who carries that burden with you, it like, it has the burden. You're like, oh, I'm not alone. I am deeply loved. My child is deeply loved and I am carried in the almighty arms of my father. And so I just encourage women to be gracious with those around you. They're doing the best they can. They don't know what you need. So you have to tell them and then um, just know that you are not alone. And that when you weep, Jesus weeps with you and that he is near to the brokenhearted. So those would be my two greatest pieces of encouragement. Lean on Jesus and lean Mm -hmm. on your community. Mm-hmm. Would you have anything to say to someone that is walking alongside a friend that doesn't understand? What would you say to someone that so deeply wants to understand and never will? How can they love someone they're walking alongside? Um, if you're walking alongside someone in pain, I would say, and it kind of depends on the phases of grief, like early on grief, do please do not offer suggestions. Suggestions, please do not offer trite. I call them pillow sayings. If they can be embroidered on a pillow at Hobby Lobby, please don't say it to me. You know, like I know that truth, but I'm not ready to hear it. And so in the beginning, it was gracious friends just like coming and dropping a meal off or bringing flowers or writing a card that said simply, I don't know what you're going through and I'm so sorry, but I am here with you. It was the reminder of presence because that's not the time for suggestions and advice. And um, I felt constantly overwhelmed, fatigued by decisions. And so probably the most helpful friends would be like, 
okay, I can offer you three things. I can bring you a meal. I can come and take you out to lunch or I can like send you a gift card for Grubhub. What would be most helpful? And so instead of them going, what do you need? And then I'm having to come up with something. They've given me something very specific. I think later on in the grief journey, once they're kind of past the initial shock of it, it is I'm a listening friend to process because there did come a time where I wanted to talk about David and this, this is horrible, Brittany. I, um, I kind of categorized people. If you weren't willing to say my child's name or ask about his story and he's one of the most important people in my life and, and you didn't care enough to ask. Mm-hmm. I was like, how deeply do you love me? Mm-hmm. But it was people that said, you know, would you like to share a little bit about David or may I see a picture? And of course they're not demanding. They're, you know, they're mm-hmm. asking and it's an invitation for me to share if I would like. Those were some of the most precious moments because I thought you're willing to stare death in the face with me and not blink. You're going to go there with me. And so for someone to attempt to love my son the way I love him was such a blessing. And then I would just say later on, we're now two and a half years past. Um, I have really dear friends that have marked his birthday and his, his going home day on their calendars. And they won't say anything. I'll just go to his grave and there'll be flowers or there'll be a card or they'll just text me and say, hey, I know this week is going to be probably really hard for you. You know, like Mother's Day. Um, just know that I'm praying. And so I think the further out you get, it is the reminder that your child, your spouse, whomever it is that you have lost is not forgotten, Mm -hmm. that conveys love. And so I think in all of these things, it's not what is the right thing to do, but what is what conveys love, what conveys respect. And don't be afraid to ask. The people that said and did nothing hurt more than the ones that tried. And they might've asked a horribly insensitive question and you're like grimacing and you're like, but you know what? They went there and they tried. And that meant more to me than the people who said nothing because they didn't want to hurt me. So I'd say, just go there, just try and extend grace to your friend and um, she'll extend grace to you in return. Mm -hmm. Speaking of all that, would you, like to tell us a little bit about David today so that we can know a little bit about him? Yeah, that would be a great joy. Well, the three people I love the most in this world all happen to be redheads. My (laughs) husband has like bright auburn hair. David, our firstborn, is a redhead. And then Jason is 100% convinced that Emma Ruth has red hair. (laughs) The debate is still out. I think it's more strawberry blonde. We'll see. But just for his sake, I'm going to say three redheads. David is a feisty little boy, a very strong will. He knew exactly what he wanted. The NICU nurses were amazed because they said, I've never seen a child with such a strong will. Like if you put socks on him and he didn't like it. Now, mind you, he has tubes and cords and everything. But like he would kick his little feet till he got him off. <laughs> we had a little NICU monitor where we could watch him at all times of the day. We'd often find him like death grip on his cords <laughs> trying to yank them out. 
Like he just knew this is not where I'm supposed to be. And I'm trying to get out. (laughs) Some of my greatest joys were like, we'd walk into the room and he'd hear our voice and he'd just like turn and look at this. And it's like, mommy and daddy are here. Mm -hmm. And he was super observant. The NICU nurses were phenomenal about like creating posters for milestones. And one day we came in and for a good hour, he just stared at the wall and we're like, what, what does he see that we don't see? And then we realized there was this little bitty poster on the wall that said, you are my sunshine. And he just like fixated mm-hmm. on it. So mm-hmm. very persistent, very strong willed, very brave and strong. The NICU nurses said they'd never seen someone with such um, severe heart and lung issues fight as long as they did. And then I would just say he was a cuddler. We didn't get to hold him very much, but when we did, he would just melt into our Mm -hmm. arms. And that is the same piece I feel now with Emma Ruth of like, Mm -hmm. this is just right. And this is the way it should be. And he had the clearest little blue eyes. So when I think of him, I think of my brave little fighter with red hair and clear blue eyes and a death grip on a cord giving the NICU nurses a run for their money. So he brings me a lot of joy. Thank you for asking. Of course. And I can imagine that that has to be everything you would have wanted in a big brother. Oh, and yes. your son that's a big brother, that's everything you would want in his spirit and in his soul. And to show that so early on in his life is so amazing. Yes. Thank you for saying that, Brittany. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, very much a strong, I'd say like a protector, defender yeah. type. So yeah. Perfect big brother. Can you share with us what the Lord has done behind the scenes and your sharing of his truth through the studies that you've written for the Wheaton Honey community and how he's held you near through that process? Yes. Well, I think like any creative, any entrepreneur, any sort of like artist knows like our best offerings, I feel like come from our heart. Mm -hmm. And it's usually like what we're learning, what God is teaching us, what what he is doing in our lives often is what spills out into the lives of others. And the verse Psalm 107 two says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And so I feel like while the Lent and the Advent studies certainly are not about me and they're not about my personal situation or story, the themes that God is teaching me do resonate through them. And so writing is how I process, how I reflect, how I get to know God better. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm really excited for the women to do the Advent study and see the themes, again, not about me, but themes of expectancy, themes of hope, themes of I long for this and I cry out for this and God uniquely meets me there. Um, I know that God's timing is never coincidental. And when you invited me to write the Lent study, it was right around the one-year anniversary of David. And I honestly did not want to write it, not because of you or your ministry, but because I hate Lent. Don't tell my boss that, but I hate (laughs) Lent because it's a very intentional, like 40 days of taking away distractions and things that cause us to, our eyes to drift from Christ so that we can, you know, be in the proper mindset to reflect on his death and resurrection and the cross. And I was like, oh, I don't want to sit in Lent. I've Mm -hmm. lived Lent in the wilderness for a year. Mm -hmm. How about a happy study? Like, do you want me to write a study on joy? How about contentment? You know, how about answered promises? And God was like, "Mm -mm, nope, this is what I have for you. And so Mm -hmm. I always try to write the studies with like 
universal themes, you know, for any woman anywhere. But the behind the scenes was God was teaching me like Moses, David, like Jesus, John the Baptist, all these people had wilderness seasons Mm -hmm. that were hard and painful and difficult. And please hear me, in no way am I comparing myself to the prophets. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm just saying like, we don't want to be in the wilderness, but it is often there when the distractions are gone that we see things most clearly. Mm -hmm. And when we there's nothing else to cling to. And Mm -hmm. so we see God's face most clearly and feel his presence. So that was the kind of behind the scenes of Lent was Mm -hmm. the gift of the wilderness is God's presence. Mm -hmm. And then I was really excited to do Advent because Advent is my favorite season on the church calendar because it's hopeful. (laughs) It's all about like celebrating Christ's first return, looking forward to his second return, you know, and then just all the Christmas stuff like joy and sparkle and music. And I was like, great. (laughs) Um, And of course, it timed very well with my season of life where I'm expecting our miracle baby. We're remodeling our home. We're making it new. Hopefully, I'm going to bring a baby home for the first time. Like all of these good and wonderful experiences. And so I was full of expectant hope. But also when I looked around, like 2020 has been a dumpster fire for a lot of people. When we think about the prevalent racial injustice going on everywhere, when we think about the pandemic, when we think about isolated and lonely people because of social distancing. When we think about just simple things like funerals having to be done virtually or weddings, like there is so much that is broken right now. And the world is just crying out for, I mean, whether you know Jesus or not, for a savior, Mm -hmm. for things to be made right. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, I think that's where the Lord wants me to take this. And so he gave me the theme of expectant hope, both for the longing the world has for Mm -hmm. Um, things to be made right, and then the personal longing. And so in the Advent study, we walk through four different women's lives, um, Ruth, Hannah, Elizabeth, and Mary. And they all had these deep longings for different things. They took that expectant hope to the Lord, and He uniquely met them in their need. But what's interesting is like, while it was partially fulfilled, it wasn't ultimately fulfilled. Each of them got a glimpse of the coming Christ and of the salvation and joy he would bring. But except for Mary, they didn't actually get to experience that. And and that's that advent of being in between Christ's first coming. And so we are saved from sin. We are a new creation, but he hasn't yet returned and made all things right. And so it's a yes. And it's yes, we celebrate that he has come, but we also long for more. And so I just found myself as I was writing the study sitting in that yes and like yes I am carrying new life and I cannot wait to meet her Mm -hmm. and I still long for David yes the church mate is making huge strides in terms of racial justice and we are so far behind and we have so much work to be done and healing to be done so it's that Yes, and, but I can say honestly, Brittany, it was much more delight to write the Advent <laughs> study than the Lent study because it was more hopeful. <laughs> I shouldn't crazy. say that. There is yeah. hope in the Lent study too, yeah. but it's a, he- it's it's a okay, it's a heavier tone. This yes. one is a lighter tone. That's the yes. better way to say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really funny to see the Lord places people on my heart to be a part of different things that we do. And I always say the right people in the right place at the right time. And 
you have been a part of that and other women as well. And every time, every single time that I ask someone to be involved in something for the first time, they feel that, oh, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I really don't want to do that. So I would like to chat about spiritual formation and ask you, how would you define and speak into that? Yes. So it sounds like a seminary level, like theology class or something, but and the topic is like, Oh, I don't know what that is, but um, I love our church's definition. So I've just adopted it. Um, it's basically growing in Christ likeness. It's learning to love like Jesus, live like Jesus and serve like Jesus. Because if you're a Christian, if you placed your faith in God, you have the Holy spirit growing inside of you. And, or not growing inside of you, living inside of you. And so, yes, you are saved. You have all the benefits of a child of God. However, God's hope and plan for us is not just like, yay, you're saved, pat on the back, now do whatever you want. It's it's growing in that intimate relationship with Him. And so mm-hmm. spiritual formation is allowing God to shape and transform you and Him using you for His good purposes and plans instead of you doing whatever you would like. So short answer is it's becoming more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes these words can be so intimidating. And then when you have somebody speak into that, you realize, oh, it's about knowing who God is. It's about knowing yes. his character. And it's about realizing I get to be like that. I get yes. to be more like him. That is spiritual formation. It's coming to know him and I know we share our love for a lot of things at Irving Bible Church, but one of them is the foundation class and how that class was something that walked me through that. And what does that look like and how do you practice it? And how is it about this relationship that's living and breathing and having God in and through us and everything that we do? So I wanted Amen. to ask you about that because I knew you could you could share a little something there that I know women will remember. And on that note, I'd love to chat about your role at IBC a little bit. I think you are the second pastor to women that has been on the podcast. And I would love for women just to hear about your favorite parts of the role and your heart behind it. I know we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but if there's anything else you'd want to say to speak into that, I'd love to hear it. Yes. So yes, the hearing of the people's stories, treasuring that, that is just such a special gift. I feel like there are some people um, that are really good at like traveling and speaking and like pouring into people and then God moves them onto different places or spaces. And I'm one of those people that really likes being there like with a set group of people for the long haul. And so this role suits me perfectly because I get to walk with about four to 500 women over the long haul. I've been in this role for four years and like to see them like grow in Christ or like the light bulb comes on and they get something Mm -hmm. or they're learning something new or they're flourishing or even they're not flourishing. They're in the wilderness, but they're crying out to God. You're like, Yes, that is what he wants for you. That is what he longs for. And again, like we said at the beginning, it's certainly not one way. I mean, they carry me as much as I walk with them. So walking with them is one of my greatest joys. Seeing women set free mm-hmm. um, very selfishly, the relationships and the community formed. I mean, the fact that I know so many women and they know me, it's just such mm-hmm. a joy. It fills my relational tank. 
um, very dorky. I love researching and prepping yeah. for messages and writing and things. Like I'm the person who um, loves the digital software and like learning mm-hmm. all the behind the scenes mm-hmm. things. So I love when I have a message to prepare. I'm like, oh, I get to do some research and learn things. And then my favorite day of each ministry year is just the kickoff day of Bible study because it's we have three semesters and it's usually been about two-ish months in between the semester since I've seen, I call them my women. And then like for them all to come and there's smiles and there's hugging Mm -hmm. and there's catching up. And you're like, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It's Mm -hmm. doing life together. It's sharing the joys and the sorrows and just to like physically put your arms around someone and hug Mm -hmm. them and ask how they're doing is my greatest joy. So um, yeah, those are some of my favorite parts. Mm -hmm. One thing about you that I always admire is how you know what it looks like to retreat with God, Mm -hmm. to find a quiet place. I know you and Jason have, I believe you went to a cabin. Was it in Colorado? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I remember seeing pictures of the stars and you got away and you put your phone and your laptop up and you just had this space. And I have seen you do that when you write as well. I know you and some girlfriends will find a place that you can go in Waco or wherever it may be and just get some space to be still. And I would love if you could tell us about what those spaces look like for you and what that seeking looks like. Yeah. You know, every personality type is different, but I think anyone can benefit from a retreat, especially for my personality type. For any of you who are like Enneagram junkies. I'm an Enneagram one. I like things done right with excellence, (laughs) efficiency, productivity. And so a lot of times I am guilty of doing things for God, but not doing things with God. And so um, I'm learning now there's more of a rhythm to my retreats. Mm -hmm. Before it'd be like, I would just crash and burn. I'd go, 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 go. And then just crash and burn. And I would feel the Lord say like, you need to stop and you need mm-hmm. to get away. And now I'm a little more sensitive to that voice so I can kind of pre-plan the retreats. But um, for me, it's about finding an intentional space and place to get away, away from distractions. Mm-hmm. And it can be in your house. But again, I tend to see the dishes that need to be done or the laundry. Mm-hmm. So it really helps for me, even if it's like, I'm, I'll tell Jason, I'm going to, it's Saturday. I'm going to go to the park for three hours and I just find like a quiet little bench near a water fountain or something. And I just, I just posture myself to listen to the Lord mm-hmm. um, in seasons where there has been bigger things to wrestle through. Last year I went on sabbatical just because there was a lot to still process about David and my relationship with God And so uh, that's when we went to Colorado and Mm -hmm. I took a longer time to sit with the Lord. But I think wherever you go and whatever you do, it's saying, I'm setting aside this time. I'm going to go to this place and I am going to posture myself to hear from the Lord. Um, And I found it's really helpful not to expect God to speak or expect like, I'm going to process my new role or Mm -hmm. to seek an answer on if I should marry this man or not, because God is not on our timeline. And he often, I'm not going to say he doesn't often, but I've just found that he really gives us what we think we need. Mm -hmm. He gives us what we actually need. And so I usually start with something to the effect of like a prayer of like, Lord, here I am. 
If you choose to speak, may I listen? Mm -hmm. But I just want to posture myself to receive you. And then it's kind of, I've learned to just kind of let the Holy Spirit lead me. Sometimes I'll need a nap. Sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to worship God in nature. And so like, I'll take a walk and pray. Sometimes I journal, sometimes I read. But I think no matter how long, no matter where it is that you meet with the Lord, it's trusting that He's going to give you exactly what you need. Your job only is to show up. You can't produce the fruit. You can't make Him speak. He will give you what you need, and it may surprise you. But just trusting that He is good and He is not wasting the time because you're simply delighting in one another, and there's no better place to be. Thank you, Tiffany. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. And I know many women are going to go about the rest of their day after listening to this and feel strong and at peace. And it's because of the way the Lord moves through you. So thank you for joining me. Mm. Thank you so much. It is a great honor, Brittany. And um, we treasure you in, in your friendship and Michael's friendship. Thank you for walking with us through these seasons. Of course. Stay in touch with Tiffany at irvingbible.org slash women, on Facebook at Tiffany Stein, or find our Advent study book online at wheatonhoneyco.com. Did you enjoy this episode? Would you hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and share this podcast with a girlfriend? A great way to help us get the word out is by screenshotting this episode on your cell phone and tagging us at Wheatful Woman to your Instagram story. We'd love to hear your favorite parts of the show so we can keep creating episodes that show up to serve you. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to catch you next time.